Shraddha Gale's debut novel, The Wayward Daughter, has been critically acclaimed by reviewers in Nepal for treading fresh ground. Avoiding the big-ticket events of the country's contemporary history, Gale's novel tells the story of a young girl coming of age in the changing 1990s Kathmandu, revealing the intersections of class, caste and identity in urban Nepal. In our latest episode of Himal Interviews podcast, our editor Anuhita Majumdar caught up with Gale on a sunny terrace in Kathmandu Valley. Gale spoke about her novel, why her journalism doesn't overlap with her fiction writing, and the risks of not translating the country to a wider audience. Shraddha Ghale, thank you for joining us for the Himal South Asian podcast. It's lovely to meet you on this sunny winter morning in uh, Kathmandu. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to the process of writing fiction? Thank you, Anita. I'm glad to be here. I would call myself a freelance writer because I've been writing for various newspapers for a long time, mostly on different social and political issues. As for fiction, it's something that I've always been interested in. I've always been a reader of fiction. I started writing this a really long time ago, even before I knew that it would become a book, but I could never work on it full time. So I would say it was something that I was always doing on the side, just maybe a few hours a day or sometimes, and there would be long stretches when I wouldn't even get to work on it at all. I think it was only over the past few years, maybe three years or so, that it felt like it was turning out to be a book and I could devote a little more time, even then it was not full time. So that's how it evolved. In terms of non-fiction and fiction, I would say for me, fiction is very different. I know there are many writers for whom non-fiction very naturally segues into their fiction. For me, fiction comes from a very different um, self, I would say. It doesn't quite overlap. I see so many people who have such rich stories to tell when I travel because I've, I meet all these people when I go for reporting. But I don't see myself writing fiction about them for some reason. I don't think I could capture what I would want to capture in fiction. That's so interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about it? So for you, reporting is something which where you're more of an onlooker, there's a distance and you're recording yes. what's happening. And fiction is more of a felt experience. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I know there are so many issues that need to be written about, and there is always all this debate about art and politics. And but for me, I guess I have to know what my limits. Also, I mean, I really admire writers who can actually go out and collect material and actually are able to create a world of fiction and also kind of depict uh, their characters' inner lives. That's something that I don't see myself doing, at, as, at least not now. Even when I have been extremely moved by people's experiences, I have been, I mean, I have had very emotional experiences with people that I've worked with. I still didn't have feel that I had enough material to actually capture the nuance and the nuances and the complexities of their experience or their personality personality or the character or whatever you call it. So would it be correct to describe it almost as a form of humility where you feel you can't speak for others unless you have in a way experienced their lives or lived their lives? A form of humility but also I also see it as a limitation. I remember like what apparently what Toni Morrison used to tell her writing students. She used to say don't don't write about your little lives because there are other things that need to be written. And Toni Morrison herself, the way she's able to actually write about people other than herself, that's something that I truly admire. 
so your novel is uh, set in a very particular time in Nepal in the early 90s yeah. and uh, this is before the Maoist conflict erupted here which for a lot of people the Maoist conflict and the post conflict that is a benchmark almost in a recent Nepali history but you chose a period right before that what made you choose this particular period in I think partly because it is also uh, it's a period that I felt had not been written about much or at least in not in the fiction that I have read and also it's uh, the that particular experience of a middle class urban Kathmandu woman and her experience of growing up in Kathmandu and for me I think it's also partly <laughs> what I wanted to convey in the book was the whole false consciousness of people like middle class people who are actually striving for respectability and prosperity or modernity that's something that i hadn't really come across in other works of fiction since this podcast is probably going to be heard by people who may not have read your book can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by the false consciousness i mean it is not explicitly presented as such maybe in the book but uh, for me i'm interested in how social and political forces shape a young person who is growing up in Kathmandu in, is wanting to he wants to be modern who wants to fit in and the kinds of contradictions that are inherent in that pursuit i think what i found remarkable about your book is it's very perhaps ordinariness there's not a clear plot line perhaps there are many plot lines but not a arc a narrative mm-hmm. arc which ends in some kind of denouement and it just captures a slice of life in all its multitude of right. feelings and color and emotion and contradictions with the vast cast of uh, characters and uh, you've also chosen intercaste family to focus on you've also chosen a family which is moving from perhaps low middle class to middle middle class yeah. so it's a ve- moments of transition in right. many ways and i guess this was a conscious choice because it perhaps reveals more than if you just have characters who are placed in their own pigeonhole right. as being of one particular caste and class and right part uh, yeah it was partly deliberate but uh, some of it it was not deliberate it just uh, happened i mean that was the kind of so- society i grew up in so some of it like intercaste the the caste relations uh, for instance where uh, this uh, Sumnima's uncle who's married to a Chetri woman maybe those certain for side so side characters they are I, I invented i must say yeah you invented an entire cast yes the family <laughs> cast which is in the book yes doesn't really exist and i read a interview with you where i think you said it gave you a lot of freedom right the traits that i uh, describe about this particular ethnic group are something that i have seen in various uh, janjati communities so i would say tamule is like a composite mm. of various janjati groups that have been very very influenced by hinduism and uh, the fact that this family is going from let's say a lower class and it's uh, getting into a class where consumerism uh, right. and consumption are more important uh, and that's also something which you feel happened Yes. in this 90s especially very much so i think in some ways class is even more important in this book i feel because identity was something that we had not really been, we didn't really talk about at the time but these material goods and just 
cars and phones and these were the more obvious markers of social progress or what have you. So for me, I think while writing this book, class was really central to my thinking. I think when I first read the book, I wrote to you saying that I'd found it really interesting because it felt very familiar uh, since I've lived a couple of years here in Nepal. And yet it felt also unfamiliar because I think there were nuances in the book which perhaps were not obvious to me even when I was living here, but which I caught on to through your books. So it's extremely layered and nuanced and beautiful how you've written it. But I was also wondering whether an audience which has not experienced Nepal would find it uh, difficult to access in some points and whether they would miss out on some of I the complexity. definitely think so. For me, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, I had to make that choice whether, who am I writing? I mean, initially I was not thinking of any audience, but after I wrote the first draft, there were places where I could have made changes or revised or tweaked a little to cater to a broader audience, uh, but uh, I decided to just stick to what I had written, even at the cost of not being accessible to a wider audience. And definitely so, I mean, I can't actually, to be honest, I, I would be very surprised if people who do not know Nepal at all would grasp the book in its entirety. I mean, I have had some American friends who said they enjoyed the book, and so I, I keep wondering how much they absorbed and how much they missed. Can you talk a little bit uh, about, a little bit more about this, because I find it fascinating, because of course, uh, you may have begun writing for yourself but at a certain point you do decide that you want a larger audience <laughs> yeah. for this and yet you felt you weren't going to pander to a wider audience so where did you strike the balance you've written this in english right right so it already has a certain yeah. subset within nepal which right, right. who will find it accessible until it gets translated yeah. which i hope it will so where did you feel you didn't want to compromise on your writing by becoming more explanatory and where yeah. did you feel that you were going to express some things i feel like the book is extremely context specific and because Kathmandu is small and and the particular ethnic group is a minority. Actually, even for people who grew up in Kathmandu who are, who are not Panjati, I think there will be things that are not familiar. So for me, that already was something that I had to think about. And then again, to if I want to think about audience outside Nepal, I would have to make even more changes to the book. I can't think of specific examples, but there are so many things that might have needed explanation. Like for instance, like how this Danzati family has so many people working in, in the British Army, for instance, and their particular, their mix of Hindu and um, Danzati rituals, they, they end up following both, many, many Danzati families, I think. So it's, I, I'm sure it could be confusing for even people who grew up in Kathmandu. So, but and in the end, I decided, okay, so who is this book for? So I, I decided, okay, this book is for Nepali people or who can read in English and I had to kind of so it's a small define audience. it for yourself yeah define it for myself and okay this is for Nepalese who grow up in Kathmandu or Nepalese who can read English they will get it so that that should be fine you know <laughs> and probably I think even for a wider audience I mean why should everything be very simplified exactly. yeah. uh, you know yeah. I think maybe an audience also needs to work at understanding yeah. things and exactly. when you read books you don't always we don't yeah know what's being talked about but if you do spend time absorbing it you get a feel and a sense yeah. of the underlying tensions contradictions yeah. I mean when we grew up reading Dickens and all these people I mean there were so many words and so many things we just didn't understand for so long <laughs> and it was okay we just 
you just kind of get a sense of what is happening, right? I mean, even though you don't know it, it does, it's not explained to you. So I think uh, readers can make some effort. <laughs> but since the task of writing also involves publishing and marketing, right. and uh, that's become extremely commercialized, catering perhaps even more to a common denominator than earlier. Right. Uh, do you find that aspect uh, difficult? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think about that. I keep about this whole audience thing whether it's limiting or if, whether it's the price you have to pay in order to you know, write what you really want. But I think as of now, I'm because since I've written only one book, I can't see a whole lot on this. But for this particular book, I felt like I tried not to really pander to that aspect of publishing. And also because my publisher, uh, my editors were also quite, <laughs> they are particular about that. In fact, there were many terms in the book that I had explained in the, in the manuscript, but they decided to cut it. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And You've been published by publishing Speaking house Tiger. based out of India, yeah. and yet they chose to yeah. go I mean, with the, your original language rather than the explanation. Yeah, one of the editors, Anurag Basnet, who actually looked at the book uh, who I worked with, he, he's uh, especially particular about not explaining too much and not pandering to a you know a Western audience or a bigger audience. So he he was the one who suggested that I don't explain too much and I removed uh, some of the explanations of like little Nepali terms. So do you think you were going to be writing another book soon? Are you working on something? I'm not. I mean, I have some vague ideas, but I don't think I would say that I'm writing a bo another book yet. Maybe if I am able to pursue it seriously, maybe it will turn into a book, but it's too too early to say that. But what interests you right now and as a writer? Which period of history or which slice of Nepal would, are you really looking at right now? I mean, because I, my book ends towards uh, 2000, 2001, I might. So I, I was thinking what about what happened after that period. Because for me, yeah, at least in fiction, I find it uh, quite. I I need distance like, in terms of time. I don't think I could write about what's happening, happening right immediately now immediately. Or mm. yeah, so I'm just looking at a period that's slightly far from where we are now. I think a lot of people were very intrigued by the characters in your book and wondering what happens to them next. Is that something which you find <laughs> interesting to pursue, or would you just like to let uh, them rest? For now, I think I'll just let them rest because a lot of people s say that to writers all the time. I mean, this asking write for a sequel. sequel. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a lot. A lot of other writers also get that advice, uh, but I know I I know that wh where it comes from, and I mean, it it won't be even if I write something. I don't think it'll be a sequel as such, but something that maybe answer some of the questions that uh, have been left unanswered. Or, but maybe it, it won't be the same characters. It'll be a different setting, maybe. Well, we certainly look forward to reading that whenever it's ready. And thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. Thank you.